in a place known to be the land of saints and scholars, home to Saints Patrick, Bridget, and Columba. There are those that have lived lives of heroic virtue, yet are forgotten by time. These are the stories of Ireland's forgotten treasures, told by Father Gabriel Burke. Hi everybody, Father Gabriel Burke, curate here in Blarney in County Cork in Ireland, talking to you about our forgotten treasures. We've started the last few talks on talking about those Irish people who ministered in the United States or in Canada, and um, maybe their cause has been started or their cause has been stalled, whatever. Today, we want to talk about a woman called Mary Angeline Theresa McCrory. She was actually born in Ireland on the 21st of January in 1893. She was born into a very devout Catholic family. The part of Ireland she was born in is in Ulster, the province of Ulster. There are four provinces of Ireland, Ulster, up the north, the east is Leinster, the south is Munster, and the west is Connacht. She was born in a place in County Tyrone, which is now in what they call Northern Ireland. And it is that part of Ireland that still belongs to the United Kingdom of Great Britain. She was baptized in St. Bridget's in the parish church of Brockock, which is the place she's called has two names. Uh, it can be called Clitty Kraken or it can be called Mountjoy because the local castle near it was Mountjoy Castle. All through history, there has been connections between the north of Ireland and Scotland. Scotland gets its name from the Irish. It means the land of the Scotty. And up until the 6th century, the Scotty were the Irish. So if you look up your old Latin books and they're talking about Scoti, they're talking about the Irish. The proper Latin name for Scotland is Caledonia. But there's always been connections between the north of Ireland and what is now Scotland. In fact, for many years, many centuries, there was one kingdom between the north of Ireland and the greater part of Scotland. And so up even till now, you'll find people moving back and forth between Scotland and Northern Ireland. And that's what happened with the Macrorities. They settled in a place called Mossend. Now Mossend is a smallish town, maybe a big village, but it's near the steelworks and near all these places in Scotland, mines. So obviously the father got a very good job in Scotland. And she lived there for from up until about she was 19 years of age. She built up a relationship with Father Cronin. Even though he has an Irish name, he was actually born in Scotland. And he's often referred to as Dean Cronin. Now, in Ireland, a dean is the head of a chapter of canons, but in Britain, a dean can also be what we call a vicar forain. So I think in this case, he was probably the vicar forain for that area in Scotland. She worked in the church there. She used to help out with the Sunday flower arrangements. And she changed the spelling of her name when she was about 11 years of age. She, of course, was Bridget which in Ireland is normally B-R-I-G-I-D, to the French spelling, which is B 
B-R-I-D-G-E-T, Brigitte. And she did that because she liked French. <laughs> Teenage girls are wonderful the world over. But she helped out there and she did the flowers. And then she decided at the age of 19 that she would become a little sister of the poor. The Little Sisters of the Poor were founded by a Breton woman called Jeanne Jogain. And she was so distressed at seeing so many old, poor old people neglected in Brittany that she founded an order um, to look after the poor destitute in, as they aged. So when she was leaving Scotland to go to Tours in France, Father Cronin asked her, would she like to take one of the books from his library? And she closed her eyes and she put out her hand. And she, indeed, she picked the life of St. Teresa of Avila. And that's very important because that was to be such a big influence for her later in life. Having served her novitiate in La Tour, France, where she was given the name Sister Angeline de St. Agatha, she was then sent to the United States of America, arriving there on the 1st of November, 1915. She was a poor, a little sister of the poor. They had the house in Brookline in New York, and she was appointed superior of that house in 1926. During her retreat in 1927, she felt an urge inside her to reach out more because what she discovered in America was that the little sisters of the poor had a certain way of doing things. They were very French. They had to speak French in the house, but they only looked after the destitute poor, the destitute aged. And Mother Angeline realized that all the elderly had difficulties. And so she wanted to reach out to more of the older people, the middle classes, the upper classes, because, you know, they too felt lonely. They too felt marginalized. So she tried to do it within the order of the Little Sisters of the Poor. Wasn't working out. So she went to Cardinal Hayes, who was the Archbishop of New York at that time, another Irish name, by the way, Patrick Hayes. And between them, they decided that she would probably be better off setting up her own religious order. So with six other nuns from the Little Sisters of the Poor, and with the blessing of Cardinal Hayes and the permission granted to them by the Holy See, they left and they set up their own home for the aged and the infirm. And they called themselves the Carmelite Sisters for the aged and infirmed. And that was in 1929. And of course, in New York City, there are Carmelites. And Father Dionysius Flanagan, another Irish name, was a Carmelite there. And he had known Mother Angeline when she was the superior of the uh, little Sisters of the Poor. So he became their spiritual director and helped them and had them grafted into the Carmelite order 
so that they now became affiliated with the Carmelite order and could now fully have Carmelite sisters of the aged and infirmed. Now, after this, her mother, Angeline, uh, continued on until 1978, long time. And she continued on until she couldn't anymore, till she was too infirmed herself. And she, but she had beautiful, two beautiful sayings. One of them was, if you have to fail, let it be on the side of kindness. Be kinder than kindness itself to the elderly. And there was one thing that she always maintained her sisters should do. And that is hold the hands of their elderly parents. To give them that sense of love and being loved. And to care for them. And so the houses of the Carmelite sisters of the aged and infirm are top ranking. We only have one in Ireland. Uh, it's in County Dublin in a place called Dawkey. And it's report from the uh, inspector of the, we have, I don't know whether they have them in America, but in Ireland, we have inspectors of um, care homes and homes for the elderly. And the sisters is right up there, right up at the top. They are commended for the work they do. They have cafes in their houses. They have gymnasiums. They have hairdressing. They have chiropodists. They have everything. And the people aren't just sitting around. They can come and go. You can visit them anytime you want. You know, it's not like an institution. It's like a big home. And that's exactly what she wanted to do. And that's very important for us because sometimes, you know, we get set in our ways and we do the things the way we've always done it because it's nice and comfortable. Great. I don't have to change. But the whole world is changing around us. And the problem is that we can get left behind. And even though our charisma might have started off for one particular mission, it may need to change. And we might need a new way of doing things. And certainly with the elderly and the care of the elderly. You know, nowadays, I don't think the elderly would like to be put in long wards. And yet that's the way they was done for years. You know, when I started out as a priest, I used to have to visit different homes for the elderly. And, you know, there was one that used to be a hospital. But it was no longer a hospital. But it was now, it was very sad. You had 17 people sleeping in the one room, you know, big dormitory. And you'd say to yourself, where is the dignity for that elderly person? And thanks be to God, most care homes now are providing single rooms or maybe rooms that are shared, but they're fairly big. And, you know, just because an elderly person needs to go into a home doesn't mean they need to lose their dignity. Sometimes I think we kind of forget that, that the elderly are beautiful people. They have lived a life. They have so much to show us, so much advice to give us, so much love still to give. And sometimes, you know, you often see in 
homes, you know, unfortunate elderly people, drugged up to the eyes, sitting down, doing nothing. Television is switched on in the corner. They're sitting around nothing. And we forget, you know, they like to chat. They like to have coffee. They like to get their hair done. They like to have the shroptest in. They like to have different people in. They like to go wandering around. They like to talk. They like to do things. They like to knit. They like to sew. They like to play cards. And we forget that. But above all, they like to chat with people. And that was the beauty of Mother Angeline, that she created caring homes where they could come and go they could sit down, have a cup of coffee. They have different restaurants, different foods, different everythings. They have dance lessons. They have exercise lessons. They have movements, all sorts of things. Because, you know, the elderly are still important to us. And I often think, you know, our elderly have so much still to give. I often tell my elderly parishioners here, you know, you're going up the stairs. You can't run up it like you did when you were 21. Sometimes you've got to stop halfway up. And I said, that's the time to say to God, I offer this little sacrifice for my grandson or my granddaughter or a friend or a son or a daughter who's left the church. And all those steps going up, we can offer them up to God. We're no longer able to walk as fast as we did. And maybe we get impatient with ourselves because we can't go like we used. Again, that's the time to say, God, I offer up this sacrifice of not being able to walk for X or for Y or for B. And then at times, you know, as an older person, we might have more time to ourselves. That's the time when we can pray and pray for people all around us. But for those of us who aren't elderly, it's up to us to look after them. I mean, it's very simple to go to your elder neighbourly and say, would you like a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, or maybe a martini? Or maybe you can say to them, you know, would you like to come shopping with us today? We can go to Walmart or wherever. Or maybe you can get together a few of them that they can sit together. You know, we have Meals and Wheels in Ireland where we bring meals to the elderly. But sometimes I just say to myself, why don't we bring them together for dinner? We've got the ovens, we've got the cooks, we've got the chefs. Put them in the one room together. Let them chat. Come at 12 o'clock. Start lunch at 1 o'clock. Leave at 3 o'clock. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing to do? the elderly people in your neighbourhood. Just chat with them. Are you going to Mass on Sunday? Or Saturday evening? Say to them, would you like to come to Mass with me? Maybe we'll go a bit extra so you can go to confession beforehand. Why not stay for the cup of coffee after Mass? So they can chat with people and bring them up. Little things. We're not major. We don't need governments to tell us to do that. These are our own people in our own community. So this week, or after today, think about what can I do for the elderly in my area? How can I show them the love of God? Ask Mother Angeline to guide you and to help you. 
And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The preceding program was a Spirit of Truth Radio Arts original production in partnership with Salt and Light Catholic Radio. To find out more about Spirit of Truth Radio Arts, go to their website at www.castingthe.net.